Russell's Reserve, aged 10 years. And throughout the entire summer, ready to be dipped in chocolate. How are you? <sighs> I'm good. I'm, uh, I, I'm, you know what, Kyle? It's nice to, uh, nice to be back with you. Nice to be doing this thing. This, mm-hmm. uh, this thing that we call life. We call the Crossing Broadcast. And, uh, football season is back, baby. Football season's ready back. To uh, we took a, uh, an indefinite hiatus there for a little bit. But, uh, got a second child now, so that's exciting. How's, I, uh, how's being a, a parent of two? I do. Uh, we we had a he he came a little early, which 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 uh, I guess two two three weeks ago now uh, on my birthday, nonetheless uh, three weeks ago to the day actually on my birthday, August fifteenth. Uh, he was three weeks early. He wasn't actually still technically not due yet. Um, so it caught us a little off guard. We thought he would probably come early. Our first one came early. Um, weren't really expecting that. Um, but I all along I was kind of had this weird thing that he might be born on my birthday so that was pretty cool we named him chase um, oh after uh of famous eagles quarterback chase mcdan or chase daniels right right i have convinced my wife it depends on who you ask i've convinced my wife that he is definitely not named after the all-time great philly second baseman but um you know shh, we won't tell anybody um so hmm. yeah it's huh. been good we, we haven't been uh he came early so they sleep a lot when they're that early which yep. so the first couple weeks were actually relatively easy uh, the last week or so, he's 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 turning into a uh, the newborn that we know and love from uh, from our first one. So uh, sleep hasn't been great the last uh, few nights, but uh, it's good. Definitely, definitely easier the second time around so far. I agree. Second kids are better sleepers. It's it is it, it's a guarantee. So if you're out there listening in podcast land and you have one child and you're afraid of the second one and not getting sleep, don't worry. Second one sleeps better. Um, I'll you know say, what? I, to be determined. To be determined. I don't. The mean. first couple of weeks. Of oh, I thought, I thought that was an announcement judge. about uh, thinking about number three. Nope, nope. That's not what that was. Good okay. number. Two's a good number. Okay. You know what uh, else is a good number, Kyle? One, as in one propane fueled uh, grill that you could win as part of the Amerigas giveaway. If you haven't seen it on the website, uh, we're doing a giveaway at crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas. Where's a forward slash? Is back forward? It's the regular slash, not the weird slash. One. Uh, slash hate, Amerigas. I, hate, I actually hate using forward or back. Just, I call yeah. it a slash. So the slash. Um, and if you go on there, uh, all you have to do is put in your name, email. You know the deal at this point. And uh, you'll be entered to win a propane gas uh, grill that we cannot officially... I don't remember if on the ad if it actually has what the name of the grill is. It's a very good brand. It's, it's probably the premier brand for grilling. It's a grill uh, valued at about $500 from uh, our good friends at Amerigas. The nation's number one propane provider found at thousands of locations nationwide and locally kyle at 7-eleven and home depot boom there we go amerigas so uh, don't forget to go check that out on the page and uh and enter to win tell all your friends uh nothing goes better with the end of philly season and the start of eagle season quite like going out doing some tailgating getting some grilling going so uh, so whatever yeah. you do, don't let Russ near the grill because it's a disaster. Have we actually done a show since that happened? I believe that we have. I'll, we? I'll tell people this because I don't know. We may have, and I don't know if it's worth us getting into. Um, nah. Maybe we, we circle back and check. Go to my Instagram, instagram.com backslash crossing broad, and I oh, have backslash, saved. Backslash forward slash. Go ahead. <laughs> slash. Uh, damn it. I have saved the uh, story from okay. that night uh, because it was so good. Uh, it includes Russ 
setting up the grill in the most awkward and dangerous way possible and then dropping his his hulking sirloin that was cooked in in pure fire onto the deck he loved uh, it and it also includes a vester jeff almost burning down phil's house <laughs> setting his weber completely on fire with a ribeye and phil has since had to have uh his siding melted so he had to have a siding guy out um, so all that is captured, uh, and the, the the majesty of my of my smallish fillets uh, cooked to near perfection. Yeah, let me let me just set the stage really quick on uh, on what happened exactly with the grill um, as it as it pertained to uh, investor Jeff. So everybody knows uh, if you've got uh, an older Weber grill, you not only have the initial tray, the initial drip tray, but there's also the overflow tray that that exists even below that in case you screwed up so badly that uh, or you got that lazy with clearing it out that you're, you know, panicked. Um, so Jeff not only lit the initial pan on fire, he lit the entire secondary pan on fire. Uh, and, and this was pretty clear to see if you, you know, had kept the grill open, you would have seen that the flames were probably about seven feet high at that point. I'm going to stop um, but, you there, Russ. Than, you should never grill with the lid open. I, I know, never. but I'm saying we, we, thought, like that there was, the bun at the we thought there was a very strange uh, kind of glow that was coming from underneath. I said, why don't you open it up really quick? Let's see how bad it is. And when he closed it back up, you could just see this this hellish glow coming from underneath. And it seriously looked like we were about to go visit like the former pro wrestler Kane uh, in the netherworld. Like it was, it was pure insanity. And then... Phil's inside, like getting his uh, his beautiful steak done. He ended up doing his in a cast iron pa- uh, cast iron skillet on the stove, and I just walked in. I said, "Phil, you know, uh, you might want to you might want to venture outside. I think Jeff might be burning your house down." And it wasn't until that night, after we had you know long put out that grill, that I kind of looked and I'm like, "That looks like that really looks like the siding got warped." And Phil, I thought was going to kill Jeff. Jeff, I thought was going to uh, be thrown off a deck. It did not happen. Would have really made for a, uh, a hilarious moment, but as it stands, Phil, I believe, said there was no true structural damage, which I'm I'm both excited about and I'm also disappointed by. Phil Kaidel uh, held held himself together way better than I would have in that situation. Yep. Um, it, it's probably because I'm an only child, but like if people are around my things and that now includes my house and things are going on, I get very antsy. If if like if someone was out on my deck grilling, I would be very hawking over them so to phil's credit uh he was very calm much calmer than i would be in that situation when someone on the verge of burning his, his house down the only time i saw him get worked up is when he stepped out onto the deck and um somewhat urgently said did someone turn off the propane tank yeah um which we had uh we had, I, yes. I got in there and did it. it in hindsight probably that was not a good kind of yeah i'm glad better. i turned it off i'm not yeah. glad that i was that close to the tank at any point with the flames going no. um so yeah, we might have but, already um, recapped this, and if if we did, yeah, and somebody if, if somebody missed it, whatever, and if you didn't, you know, here we are, 2018. We out here talking about some uh, some CB stakeoffs, but um, so the Eagles, Eagle season. Yeah. So let's, speaking let's, of the Heat, let's get into. So it. look, there's a million different ways we can go with this. I think uh, it's been a long summer, and we are excited to have uh, football back. Uh, if I'm doing news and notes before we get into anything, I'm just scrolling through my Twitter timeline and people are talking about how Villanova snagged the five-star recruit from Duke and it's going to have one of the best recruiting classes in a decade coming off two national championships. So that's just a news bit before we get into the Eagles. That's nice. Um, so there's a lot of different ways we can go here. I think we haven't talked much at all about the whole Carson Wentz and Nick Foles thing, and we're not going to because there's nothing to actually discuss. 
uh, Carson Wentz is hurt. This was the reason I sat at this very table. I'm downstairs now. I don't record a lot down here, but one of the times we did last year, we had a back and forth uh, earlier this year about whether you keep Nick Foles or let him go and all this. And I was staunchly on the side of, hey, the philosophy of having a, a really good backup won them a Super Bowl. You don't get rid of this. If Carson Wentz uh, is not going to start the season. You have to ride for two or three games with a backup. Obviously, you could do a lot worse than Foles. So all makes sense. No one has a problem with the decision. The Eagles writers, however, uh, and the media in general, have treated this, you know, like they're, as someone said, like they're covering like 1980s Kosovo or something, you know. None of these guys, you know, I, I respect the Eagles guys and the fact that they're actually all, you know, really good. They're all really tenacious football reporters, and this is a market where nothing gets left uncovered, which there's something to be said for. On the flip side, this is entertainment, and and I will tell any sports reporter, whether they're a Hall of Famer or a, a gossip hound like me, and be like, we're all entertainment reporters. We're all sitting around talking about something that is an entertainment product and occasionally touches on real world themes and sports writers, typically most of them, except for like the top 5%, prove themselves to be in over their heads. So the Eagles reporters have covered this just obsessively for months, trying to extract an answer that they had to be smart enough to know didn't exist. It wasn't like the Eagles were holding anything back. It's like a, yeah, well, it's a wait and see approach. And I feel like that has hit ahead over the last week, first with Doug Peterson's press conference, then with follow-up columns from the usual suspects like Marcus Hayes and Angelo Cataldi. And when I don't think we should craft a narrative based on anything that those last two guys say or do at this point, um, they're just echoing what the media has been doing for the last five weeks. Uh, Kevin and I were there on day one of training camp and sat in that very same gaggle. And I was mystified then how there were three questions on who was going to start week one. And Doug Peterson took it all in stride. And all of these, these guys, these, you know, mostly slovenly guys stand on the sideline for three hours watching, you know, basic 10, 10, 10 drills that mean nothing and they waste half an afternoon they come in the tent they ask the same question they all write the same story they all do the same thing and then they repeated this 30 days in a row and then when people say well hey why is you know why is journalism a struggling profession it's because do you think that's a good use of time and the money to pay someone to stand out there for a day's work to do the same thing 30 days in a row that no one cares about so uh, i think the whole thing is unbelievably stupid uh, and I think both the media and a little bit Doug Peterson got in over their heads over the last week. So I'm going to take you to task on one thing. I, I you know, you said that nobody cares, and I, I think that a lot of rational Dude, people let me clarify. don't care. Nobody, people care about who's playing quarterback, but like, I, I think anyone who has like half a brain cell knew that there just wasn't going to be an answer. Like the guy was still hurt. He still had to be cleared. Like it was always going to be up in the air. You know how people and he asked a question a couple with... of times, but no one was sitting there like on the intrigue every day, trying to pin Doug Peterson down, you know, like he's hiding something like stop. Like it was just, it was just annoying and dumb and no one cares at that level. People care. who's playing quarterback tomorrow night, but they do not care to the point of needing to know every non-update that existed. Like, it was stupid. And any most p- common sense could have told you that Wentz wasn't going to be ready to play when he didn't play in the preseason, couldn't, wasn't cleared for contact. Like, what did you think? He was going to get cleared for contact and they were going to throw their franchise quarterback out there on one day of real practice? Come on. Using that logic, 
would would mean that you have to accept the precept that most Eagles fans are rational beings, which we know is not true. Um, I I still would say that there were a a large chunk of the fan base, whether we want to acknowledge they exist or not, who genuinely thought that at any given point Doug was going to come out and announce that starter for the last the better part of the last three and a half four weeks, because every time there was an update that said that Carson Wentz was way ahead of schedule. He was beginning to, you know, participate in team drills. I think there was that part of, of people who thought, well, you know what, maybe they've just been overly cautious with him for a while. And now they're going to kind of let him loose. And I think, you know, there, there are certainly people who thought that at any point in the preseason, there was a chance that he was going to come back. Maybe he would start preseason game three, maybe game four. Um, I never thought it was realistic. And I think, you know, kind of to your point, yes, like rational people who understand how the world works would know that there was little to no chance that Carson Wentz was going to start week one. And this kind of comes back to why I, I don't understand why some people, especially the the beat reporters who I think kind of do the fan base a disservice in, in some sense, uh, you know, should be so upset that they didn't get a definitive answer until, what was it, two days ago. And like part of that to me is like, you know, you've got to take the, the, the grand scheme here. You've got to take the macro approach to what this team is. And Carson Wentz is obviously, Nick Foles himself has said it, like Carson Wentz is the future of this team. It is his team. The idea of trying to rush him back nine months after tearing up his knee to, you know, go out for the sake of, you know, starting a Thursday night home opener, you know, coming off a Super Bowl win, like that's that's just not it. And I, I don't get why there there seemed to be so much outrage. Like I took more umbrage, I guess, with what Doug did. I didn't like Doug's uh, press conference at all. I didn't like the way that he went at the media. I think he could have done it in a better way. And I, I'm actually, I'm, I don't want to go hot takey and say that I'm worried about the success going to his head or about the way that the locker room is kind of constructed in, in so far as thinking that, you know, these guys are smelling themselves or anything, but I, I didn't like the tonal change that, that Doug did. And I know that a lot of people seem to really enjoy it and they think that it was good for, you know, protecting his players, protecting the locker room and his decision-making. But like, ultimately one, uh, most people would be uh, remiss, I guess, if we didn't mention, knew that Carson wasn't going to start week one. They know that it would have been bad for his health and for the team going forward. And like, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm like, I constantly find myself kind of in this, this weird conundrum where I want to believe that Eagles fans are smarter than what I think a lot of them actually are. And I, I, it's like smart and emotional. There's like an emotional intelligence that I don't think exists with a lot of the fan base. And like seeing people's reactions to finding out that Nick Foles was going to start, that Carson's not, and like peddling these conspiracy theories about like, I, I actually saw somebody say, well, is this a situation where the Bud Light statue's coming out depicting Nick Foles and Doug Peterson and they don't want to take away from that, that statue unveiling and that's why Carson's not starting week one? Like that's idiocy. I don't know how you these can't people exist. To absolute fucking dopes. Like you can't, you know. Well, you can, you can, because people like people Angelo watch Gitali. that stuff. They like listen the, to that stuff. Fair. And again, like we don't like to necessarily acknowledge that those people exist, but like it's true. And you know, people get on Flyers fans saying the Flyers fans are you know the ultimate homers, and and a lot of that's true. But like Eagles fans just kind of like I, I I don't know. To be they clear, just, they, they just I, jump I, on jump on on every little thing. It's like. We have That's to take not, a little bit of a macro approach here. People don't do that. They just they get caught up in this in this like little training camp drama. They get caught up in yes. Marcus Hayes writing a column. They get caught up in Ruben Frank putting out, you know, the three thousand seven hundred forty eighth stat 
since Corey Clement caught a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl. Like, these are all things that, like, people really get themselves all hyped up about. They get really emotionally charged, and then ultimately nothing has actually changed. Yeah, it's not a bit, but to be clear, I don't think any of these people are doing this because, oh, I know my readers need to know this answer. Like, look, you asked a question, and it's a reasonable question to ask, you know, once, once a week, you know, check it. Like, it's not, it's not like they shouldn't ask the question, but it's this righteous, like, self-indignation where, or self-righteousness where they're going to ask it three different times in a row. I mean, they do this all the time, three different times in a row in three different ways. Like, they're covering the White House. Like, guys get over it. like there there's not an answer because there's there's not an answer and i agree people care i mean I'm, this isn't about whether or not people care or not who's playing quarterback for the eagles that, that's not what i'm trying to say but you're not serving the fan every day the fan isn't waking up saying man i really want the beat writer to ask that because i think that today might be the day there's an answer no when there's an answer you're gonna know it's like the biggest obvious answer and if they don't want to put it out there they're not going to put it out there and trying to pin them down on it is is ludicrous so i don't know i just think like the whole this has always been my problem with especially the eagles writers they like you said they get caught up in their job on the beat their day-to-day existence i think all beat writers do this but i think the eagles writers because it's so such an intense beat they get caught up in like whatever is the little thing that is in their little nest over there on the sidelines that they're talking about and they 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 operate under the guise of I'm doing the fan a service because I have to ask this. And like whether it's it's the specific quarterback intrigue and nagging them every day about it, or any number of things they've done over the, the last few years, it's it's not it's not what the fans want to know. Like largely, most fans, and this is why I think things that are different are successful, especially lately. Most fans don't want or need to know most of the stuff said at a press conference. Most of it, you know, have rolling the coach out there all throughout training camp. And, like, there's a lot of banal shit. All, all press conferences and media availabilities are. But sometimes you really want to hear for guys. Obviously, after the Super Bowl, after something went awry in the game and you want an answer or an explanation, like, of course, it's not like you don't want to hear from players, but like speaking to guys, you know, I'm listening to some of these questions they're asking Foles, like, you know, are you going to be okay being a backup? Like what sort of, what sort of answer do you expect? Do you honestly expect him to say no? He just won the Super Bowl as a backup. Like there's almost no insight that comes out of most of these questions. They act, well, I'm doing this for the fan. No, you're not. If you're doing this for the fan, you would do something different than the other 30 slobs standing on the sideline, wasting three hours a day, who are all going to come up with the, with the same basically quote. a different version of the same story with the same quote. And you would go do something different. Like who stands out like Shiel Kapadia right now. He's there. He covers them, but he does something entirely different with what he does. You're going to do something different like that uh, Dr. David Chow in San Diego, who's a former team doctor who writes about specifically about the injuries. Or you're going to, you know, any number of uh, ex-players who weigh in on things. Like, there's all these different angles you can take. And I get your, you know, there's a there's a limit on, on what could be done. But, you know, if you're all doing the same thing, you're not serving the fan. You're just You're just adding to the noise of everything. And that's the part that really gets me. It's like, if you want to serve the fan... Go out and be a little different. People, some people love some. Some people detest Elliot Shore Parks, who's now with WIP, which we'll talk about in a second. He's been on this podcast many a times. In fact, I wish we would have got him on tonight because I think three years running, uh, or three out of the last four years, he's been on the night uh, the week prior to week one. 
he might not be allowed now that he's at WIP, but whatever. I like him because I think at the very least, he's a, he's a hot take artist and he knows it and he stands by that. But at the very least, he tries to be different. He tries to give you something different, something to think about. Just now I'm looking, he's, he's re-watching film of all of Carson Wentz's runs last year. Not many of the beat guys are doing that, right? Like, you're doing something different. He's giving you a top 10 list. He's giving you his, uh, you know, his, his hot, cold stock, you know, thing each week. Well, yeah, it's clickbaity. At least it's interesting and different. Like, it's something that is, is not there? just, I got to go be Jeff McClain and Left Spoen and do the same thing every day. So... I don't know. I mean, we don't need to keep banging on See, the media. Now, like, I, this isn't I kind of disagree. To be. See, I, I think that you're right that it's a good idea for some of these guys to go off and do do different things. But then, like, at the same time, like, the, the like, watching every Carson Wentz run. Do I really care about it? No. Am I going to read it? No. Because is it a different take? Sure. And, like, are there some people who are going to want to, you know, read that? Fine. Like, that's that's okay. Like, if the if the whole thing is, like, there, there was one or two quotes that were, you know, of of importance that went out and everybody wrote their piece on it. And like, that's his differentiating factor Then fine. Like maybe there is a segment of the fan base that really want to go and, and read about or see a breakdown of every Carson Wentz run. That's not my, that's not my cup of tea, but you know, you, you are right that it's a good thing for him to at least differentiate. You know, you said before that the beat is intense. It is, it's intense and it's oversaturated. And that's the thing that I don't totally understand is it feels like at any given point, there are 30, 35 people down with, I guess, daily credentials, walking around uh, Novacare, and it feels like everything that you get is the same story. And it's not even that they're they're written stylistically differently. Like, if you removed the, the name of the writer from, I don't know, like, let's say 15 random uh, articles about the same press conference, you're not going to really be able to tell many of them apart. I mean, sure, some are going to lament a little bit. Uh, some are going to wax poetic about days gone by. Some are going to just be, you know, unbelievably snarky and you might be able to kind of piece a little bit of that out but like ultimately it's the same story and it's just like the same thing that happens on twitter when you start getting the play-by-play like we talked about this a year ago the idea of do you really want to follow all these eagles writers when you're finding out that like nelson aguilar dropped a pass on third and two and like starting to question is nelson aguilar really going to be the number one receiver should he be a number three receiver did the eagles need help at receiver like these are all things that i find frustrating and i know that there are some people who really only like football and live or die with every little uh moment and every little decision and every little bit of news but that's not me and so i guess you know maybe i'm just a, a totally different segment of the fan base maybe i'm the minority in all of this but i don't really care about all of the ins and outs and the daily goings on as told by the beat writers, uh, coming back to something that we've talked about, I don't know how many times, I wish that we had a local network who had inside access to the teams and could put together a comprehensive daily show that shows us behind the scenes and lets us kind of get a buildup, something similar to Hard Knocks, but maybe not quite as edgy, something that lets us kind of get in on the things, the discussions that are going on in the team rooms, the, the film study, getting to know some of the guys who are on the bubble, seeing the the heartbreak and the um, the sheer adulation of finding out that, you know, you've either been cut or you've made made it through the cut again, respectively. Like, these are all things that I think the local network should be doing. And I think that, like, if these newspapers and these outlets were doing a, the, a real service for the fans, instead of sending these guys down to go stand on the sidelines and watch these mundane drills and, you know, just tweet play-by-play... I really do wish that more of them would do an in-depth breakdown 
Like, somebody pull Jordan Mailata aside and give me more than what I've seen so far. There was a really good special that NFL Films did. Um, I forget what it's called now. It wasn't undocu- uh, uninterrupt- uh, wasn't uninterrupted. I'll, I'll think of what it was. Um, but it was like a 15-minute clip about his his uh, rugby career and then going through a daily camp seven days or yeah seven days a week 12 hours a day for three months to learn the technique of being an offensive lineman that was awesome i'm not saying that nbcsn philly should be the ones that are doing it um but i would think that like some of these reporters should be able to do a following like pick one guy at the beginning of training camp who might have a shot to make the team and follow that guy all the way through like make it a multi-part series i'd read that every day i think that would be exponentially more engaging than finding out that like oh once again doug peterson didn't tell us that nick Foles was going to start week one like that's what i want as a consumer and maybe it's just me uh maybe i'm like one out of every 36 people but i would much rather that kind of content than find out that like once again doug peterson hasn't asked the question that every eagles fan supposedly once answered i don't know maybe it's just me yeah, I agree, and I, I don't think we're, we're we're not here to keep bagging on them. So, I mean, we can move on. Like that's you know, that's really not the point of it. I, I guess the the bigger theme I had here was, you know, here we are the night before the first game, and somehow, um, you know, we're, we're back to the same old negative habits. You know, collectively, at least in terms of the media, because again, it, it's not it wasn't just the beat guys. It was you know, it's the normals, Cataldi and, and and Marcus Hayes and all of that. But it's like. You know, you win the Super Bowl, everything comes up roses, you have a good offseason, you know, there's a few question marks heading into the year and your quarterback's hurt and all of that, but ultimately, there's really nothing at all to be down about, and somehow we've had um, everyone find things to have issue with, and that's where I kind of come back to, I guess, how we got into the media conversation was because it's like, you know, they, they feel like they have to find the negative, like they're uncovering some, you know, great conspiracy always. Like, no, like, hey, you're covering a sports team where everything's actually pretty good. And there's such a disconnect between the way it's, you know, it's being covered and the way it actually is. And here we are on the, the eve of the thing, and we're going in. We got to create some level of controversy around the teams. And that is such a disconnect from the way 99% of fans are viewing the team now, regardless of who the starting quarterback is. Like, yeah, maybe some people want to move on from the pomp and circumstance and just get back to football. And I get that. But no one is going into the season negative. It's like they're one of the top two Super Bowl contenders. They have the best prospects heading into a season that they've had in over a decade. And, you know, all this is before you get your, your franchise quarterback back. And I feel like... We don't know how to have nice things around here. You know, we speculated. You've saw people right after they won. How are the Philly media? How will they, you know, react to having a Super Bowl winner? They're going to have to change their shtick. Nope, nope. They're going to go back to exactly doing doing exactly what they do, um, despite, you know, the, the most wild success you can experience in sports. So uh, it's frustrating, and that's fine. What We could we could do other things. What else do we want to talk about? How did you feel about Doug? Did you like Doug's press conference? Did you enjoy it? Oh, boy. I'm just asking. I, 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 like, let's let's set a a 60 second thing on this before we move on. Like, I thought where did, you, was, where did you fall on it when when uh, he actually like when you took the media to task? I'm with Coggin. I think taking those guys to task because again, I understand where he was coming from. You know, having seen those guys in action, and I can't imagine having to deal with that every day. Um, I understand where he's coming from. I get his frustrations. I, 
I don't want to say he was out of line. I think he was maybe being a little unfair because it was a, the first question they asked, and he was trying to lump in all the Eagles guys with Rappaport who made the report who probably wasn't even there um, or he almost certainly wasn't. Rappapapaport? Yeah. But, like, I thought that was a little ridiculous. Like, all right, these guys had nothing to do with that. You can't actually take that out on them. But I get his exasperation. Honestly, I think he should have done that two weeks ago with those questions. I know that one day he went – and he stood and asked Mike Groh about it, you know, kind of jokingly while he was eating his Reader's Water Eyes. Hey, what's the update on Carson? It was funny, you know, because it was funny on day three. By day 24, he probably wanted to go postal on somebody. So I'm surprised he didn't do that earlier. So I think his his, his outrage was was fair. Um, he just probably chose the wrong way to frame it because you can't, you know, you can't go after them for something Ian Rappaport puts out there. It was dumb. I didn't like it at all. Nah, I, thought I, I, just thought, I just thought the tone was bad thought the tone was bad and I thought it reeked of arrogance and I can understand being frustrated with the same question, but you're in, you're in pro sports. You're going to get asked these questions. It's the same way that I kind of feel about when Greg Popovich kind of blows off the in-game interview. It's like, dude, you know, you're coaching the NBA. This is part of the media deal. Get over it. Like you got to do it. You might not like it, but like, that's how things are. I don't know. I, I didn't find it as endearing as, as Doug typically is. You can't rock a visor in a middle part and then act like a hard ass like that. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I didn't like it. I want to, uh, I want to see Doug go back to pre Super Bowl. Never speak ill of Doug's visor and middle part. I'm serious. Not around. Why? Why? Don't do it around me. Do you think they nailed it on the, uh, on the statue that was first reported by crossingbroad.com? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's excellent. I mean, it's a Bud Light thing. It's not an Eagles thing. People are like, I can't believe the Eagles built a statue. It's a Bud Light thing. It's a promo thing. You know, they had their slogan invoked in one of the you know greatest plays in Super Bowl history. Yeah, it's cool. Anyone who dislikes that is an asshole. It's cool. It's yeah. cool to think about. Think about like you know, I, I know the documentaries are on right now. While we're doing this, I went down a rabbit hole watching uh, you know probably eight different angles of Philly Special earlier. And it's like, man, that was just six, seven months ago, whatever it was. And think about in that moment, there's something that is so recent and it's already a bronze statue. Like think about if you're Foles or Peterson, like in hindsight, you know, we have these statues, you know, the old spectrum of, you know, Bobby, uh, Bobby Clark and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, these moments are immortalized, but you think about it so recent, like it does, it doesn't, it's just so weird to see something happen that quickly. You know, you, you go back you watch the video and you wonder, do these guys realize that what they're doing in this moment? And they don't because it's all happening so quickly. What is happening in this moment could be one of the it, it, immortalized in a city for, for decades and, and, and maybe a century to come. That part is kind of cool saying like, yep, there's already a bronze statue of this, you know, seemingly innocuous exchange that looked so normal on the broadcast. And I went back and watched the Nest Cam footage, which I have to post eventually, of my house. And I, I actually remarked out loud, I was like, that clip right after the play, I was like, that clip with the two of them talking, that's what he was pointing to on the sheet, you know? And it's like right after something that looks so mundane and part of every NFL broadcast, the coach and the, you know, the quarterback whispering to each other you know is immortalized now in a statue like i think that that part of it is the sentimental part of that is cool for me yep 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 i like it i hope it stays i know it won't i thought that the uh for some reason i thought part of foals just didn't look proportionally right but as a as you get into the uh the closer really angles it, it looks thin. it look yeah reasonable. the arm the right arm coming across looks a little bit weird to me but then it, you get closer and it and the detail is nice but whatever I just want to know where the statue is going to end up because clearly it's not going to stay outside of Lincoln Financial Field. 
right? Or is it? Uh, I, 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 I can't imagine. That's a good question. I can't imagine they're going to keep the, uh, I mean, it has the Bud Light logos on. I, I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So there's that. Uh, uh, media changes. What do we want to talk about here? Well, I do we want to get into predictions? Do you want to predict? For the season? Yeah. We can get into predictions. Oh, um, the season. Jeez. Oh, for the game? Yeah. I just, I want to go micro. Okay. Like, let's okay. talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. So I don't, I don't love the line. Not going to be honest here. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up uh, Sugar House Sportsbook here because uh, that is one of the live sites. You go to CrossingBroad.com, hit the link, please. Um, let me see here. Let me let me see here. This is good pod. Good pod moments. It, we're back to uh, pod. We're back to I'm our just, our midseason form. Just confused by something. You guys play um, the Falcons? <laughs> no. So I I, I want to pull this up for a second. They're minus. They were started off as like minus two and minus five way early on, uh, but then they were down to minus two and a half. The last I saw in some spots, they were minus one and a half, which is really not good for a home team uh, that is favored. Right now, they are, and bear with me here. Why they were minus five when the beat writers were asking every day who the starting quarterback was going to be, but once Doug actually announced it, the uh, the line came a lot closer. It, it's. That's why you ask the question every day, Kyle, because then the, the line stays nice and, uh, what was it, minus five to start? That's not bad. Yeah, well, there's a whole slew of lines. But, yeah, I mean, if you just go on the, the money line here, I mean, they're only minus 118, and the Falcons are only plus 100. I mean, that's that's not great for a uh, uh, for a home team that should be a favorite. So I don't like that. That said, pause. again, like. Pause. What? Yeah. Uh, since we, since there's such a uh, a push for sports gambling, really quick, give everybody like the 30 second breakdown of what those two numbers mean, the minus and the plus. Go. Okay. Uh, so there's two basic things. You can bet on an either or, which for a game is a money line, or for uh, an over under, which is you know an over and under, and those things will have attached to them. Um, I'm sorry. On a money on a money line. Uh, sorry. Let me start over. <laughs> on an either or bet. The minus and plus numbers will signify the amount you have to risk to win. So the more unlikely something to happen is, the higher that plus number will be. For example, for the Browns to play the Eagles, the Browns might be, I, and I'm just spitballing here, they might be like plus 1,600 or something, plus 900, meaning you have to win, wager 100 to win 900 because it's so unlikely you have 9 to 1 odds, whatever it might be. The Eagles in that case might be minus 1,100. You have to put up 1,100 to win 100 because it's so likely to happen. You have to risk a lot to win anything. Um, the larger, you know, the more unlikely something is, the, the, the wider that range is. The spread is different. The spread, the yeah, cost the on spread? a spread, the sp- a cost on a spread bet is always going to be relatively the same on either side, with, with just a slight variation. The spread bet, the bet itself takes into account the likelihood of something happening. So, for instance, the money line is just who's going to win or lose. So, if the Eagles were big favorites over the Browns, you'd have a large plus and minus. The spread tries to take into account that discrepancy and will do something like the Eagles. Most people, I think, understand this, but the Eagles minus 12 and a half against the Browns, meaning they are 12 and a half point favorites. So if you bet, you don't really have to worry as much about the plus minus in that scenario because the bet is going to cost about 10% if you were to lose for either team because the line itself 
the either or in that case has shifted the score of the game by 12 points. So if the Eagles are, are minus 12 and a half, they have to win by at least 12 and a half if you take the Eagles side. So you're, you know, that's, they're trying to find balance on both sides of the line in that equation because they make their money on like the 10% uh, juice or VIG as you would call it. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So Eagles, so, Falcons. Yeah, I don't love the line. Uh, it's down to minus 118 Eagles, which, you know, for a favorite and only plus 100 for the Falcons telling you that, yeah, you know, this is, is almost a coin flip. Uh, at home, you should be a three-point three, three point favorite, all things being equal, and the, the Eagles are definitely less than that right now, uh, somewhere around two, one-and-a-half, two, two-and-a-half, whatever it is, it's less than three, meaning that if this game were in Atlanta, they would be a favorite on a neutral field. They would be a favorite. Again, I think you're discrediting the Super Bowl champs who have an improved defense, um, a quarterback who just won a Super Bowl. It's not like they're playing some shitty backup, who, by the way, beat the Falcons last year. Um, they didn't look great in the preseason. You know, there's a couple of injuries. Not having Alshon Jeffrey hurts a little bit. You know, I think the game's a toss-up. I worry about – someone said the team coming off the Super Bowl on Thursday Night Football is like 11-3 and because they were trying to poke a hole where I said teams, championship teams have these emotional letdowns for these games. I was honestly referring to all sports. Like, I, I feel like, and this is very anecdotal, I don't have actual data to back this up, but when you watch these games where teams raise the banner and get their rings or wear their special jerseys and all this shit, um, <laughs> oftentimes it feels like there's a big emotional letdown there. Um, you know, you could look at the, the, the Chiefs drubbing of the Patriots last year. So I worry about that a little bit. I mean, these guys have been doing the banquet circuit now for months, probably more so than just about any other town. Uh, and I'm not saying they can't get up for the game or any of that. It's just, you know, there's been a lot of celebration and there's going to be a lot of celebration tomorrow night. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out very, very flat. I'm more worried about that than the team itself. I, they're, they're Super Bowl contenders. Um, but you know, there's, there's always that recipe for disaster on on nights like tomorrow night and that's fine if when you win the super bowl if that's something you got to worry about the next year i'm cool with that so i'm convinced they're gonna lose i've been convinced they're gonna lose for a few weeks now um if the eagles beat writers had been able to get doug peterson to admit this earlier i might have been able to uh you know wrap my head around this but um nick foley and dynamite is uh is trash this eagles offensive line uh, is trash the uh, skill players are trash, and the defense sucks. Special teams will be okay. Eagles are going to go four and twelve. Book it. Uh, go to whatever casino you want. This is going to be a bad season for the Eagles, and uh, none of that is how I actually feel about the team. Um, I, you know what? I, th- I really think that this is going to be a weird game. I would not like. I, th- it's going to go one of two ways. Eagles are going to win in a close game, or they're going to get blown out. And I, I'm honestly not sure which one it's going to be. Um, the, the one thing that I've kind of taken from the preseason, and I've barely watched any of it, right? And and I know people are going to probably be mad hearing somebody who, like, does a sports podcast say that. But, like, I, I've never been less excited about an Eagles preseason than I was about this one. Um, at no point did I feel like I got a real gauge on what these skill position players are going to look like. And all the people who are piling on Nick Foles and, you know, retweeting the idea that, uh, they're, they're like the old tweets that said that the Eagles would turn down multiple high draft picks for Nick Foles because they wanted to have an insurance policy for Carson Wentz. You know, you had all the snark coming out, especially uh, after games, I think it was games two and three. Um, it was like, 
it was a situation where I just kind of sat back and said, look, like we know what Nick Foles is. Nick Foles had an incredible postseason run that will go down in history as one of the best ever. Um, I've seen people say that they feel like it tainted the Eagles Super Bowl win, that it wasn't our starting quarterback, that it wasn't Carson, that it was a backup quarterback. Ultimately, uh, I, I don't know if there's a way to really evaluate what Nick Foles did in the uh, in the preseason because he didn't have a lot of his skill guys. I wouldn't be surprised like if he goes out and throws three touchdowns tomorrow, it wouldn't like it wouldn't totally surprise me. He's supposed to get back uh, some of his his skilled playmakers. He's not going to have his fourth or fifth running back starting the game. So like that's good. Like I I think the offensive line is going to be fine. The Jason Peters thing worries me. This is just kind of like a a thing for the season to keep an eye on. I wasn't big on Jason Peters last year. You and Adam kind of got on me for it. And um, it's something that I'm going to stand by. Jason Peters just can't stay healthy. And it seems like so often he ends up coming off the field. We do the cutaway. We do the sad Fox music. And, and look, I think Jason Peters is a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's going to be, you know, lovely. I do worry about left tackle because I know that at some point Jason Peters is going to get hurt. I hope it's not going to be a long thing that's going to kind of take him out of postseason contention, you know, like like has been the case recently. Um, I, I do worry about their depth on offensive line. I, I worry about what the receiving core is going to look like until Alshon Jeffrey gets back. Um all those, all those things said, this defense is elite. Um, the Jalen Mills and Julio Jones matchup, I think, is going to be, like, the one to watch. And um, I don't know. I, I could see them, like, coming out with a 20-14 to 14 win. I could just as easily see Matt Ryan and company taking advantage of no, no Nigel Bradham and, you know, going to that level and, and uh, kind of forcing it down the Eagles' uh, throats a bit. The Eagles probably get like a good stop on like, I don't know, like a third and short that kind of shifts the momentum of the game late. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Ryan and company have have their way uh, out of the backfield or on, on some slant routes to kind of take advantage of um, of some of the, the packages that I think that uh, Atlanta's offense is going to dictate them running. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles kind of feel a little bit out of sorts. I don't know how to feel about a lot of these linebackers. Uh, and I know that, you know, <laughs> Michael Kendricks is probably going to go to jail and, and he wasn't going to be here anyway. But um, no, Nigel Bradham, I think, is is a big loss. And, you know, I, I definitely have some concerns if they win, if they lose. I don't really care. And I know I guess that's also a bad thing to say. And maybe it's it's the uh, Super Bowl hangover. But I'm not as concerned with week one against Atlanta, except for, you know, if this is an underachieving season and the team kind of struggles with Nick Foles, gets Carson Wentz back around like week six or something. And they end up like kind of limping to a nine and seven record. Well, okay. Well, then maybe in the wild card that you know this week one matchup with Atlanta could mean something. But outside of that, it it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I'm not I'm not all that concerned. I want to see this team continue to get healthy and eventually get Carson back. And after a few weeks of him being back, then I think we'll have a good idea of where this team is. I don't think they're the favorite in the NFC, and I I will you know firmly stand on that hill. And if and when they advance to a Super Bowl, everybody can come back after me. But I think there are too many question marks right now to say that they are the definitive favorite in the conference. And uh, anybody who wants to disagree can uh, go shove it. I don't know. Good analysis. Was it? Good analysis. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, look, I think you're worried about too much. Like, I, I, it's really, it's really tough at this point. Somebody's got to do it, Kyle. Somebody no, has to it. worry. I, Everybody, yeah, to everybody's me, like so chill, and that's fine. I, I can be chill about it. I don't think I'm going to live in, I don't know if I'm going to live and die with every play. This is like the post Super Bowl world. Like I, I don't really know how to feel about it. Usually I'm doing that in the preseason. It didn't happen. So I, I'm sure I'll be right back in it uh, when, when Thursday night hits, but you will. And that's something a lot of people have talked about. Like it's hard to feel as much now. I just think it's a different, it's a different 
era. Like we're coming in as the champs and that will change. Like look at the Phillies. 09 was so different because you were going to watch the champs every night. And even after they didn't win the World Series, like 2010, 2011, you were still a fan of the best team in baseball. And like your mindset changes and it's more fun. No doubt about it. This is, is more fun. I just think, um, you know, people will be right back into it, probably even more than they ever have been. I know that sounds like a Trump statement, but I, I, I honest to God think, you know, this has created the feeling of winning in people. And it's not just, oh, this, you know, kind of woe is me underdog feeling of always being an Eagles fan. It's like, shit, we're big time football now. Um, so I, I don't think people are going to miss a beat. I just think right now, especially for the it's, it's gotten, it was really hard this summer for people to care about the Phillies who are, who are proving themselves to be fraudulent. Um, you know, but I, I think it was really difficult to get into anything else. Honestly, even for me, for Villanova, like is I lived and died with Villanova for the last 15 years, as much as I have of any Philly sports team. And I did not feel the same feels in March as I did two Marches ago. I think part of that was because they were just so good and dominant that it almost like every time they got a lead, you just kind of knew they were going to win. Uh, and it removed some of the intrigue. I think part of it, though, was the Eagles had just won the Super Bowl a month and a half earlier, and it was like, you know, this is just, we're just putting cherries on top of things now. You know, they won two years ago. The Eagles just won. It was just cherry upon cherry upon cherry. That said, I, you know, I think everybody was in hardcore on the Sixers run. So it, it you know, it's just a different mindset for a fan base, and it's a hell of a lot more uh, productive and healthy to be a fan of a winning team. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. I I've, I've been trying to put myself back in that 08 mindset with the Phillies, and all I remember like there was there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of excitement, right? And like after you the parade, your diaper rashes, huh? Do you remember? Do your I remember diaper my rash diaper rashes from no. those years? No. What? Uh, You're young. You're tiny. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, that, I guess that that is kind of true. I was I was I was a young bull back then. Uh, I want to come back to that in a second. Um, I I just remember in 08, like way after the the. Uh, the champagne had dried and and uh broad street was still a mess with confetti and everything i remember kind of thinking like the one nice thing is you know you get to experience that that moment when your team wins and then you have the the very sudden realization that that means there's only one way for you to go you're either going to plateau which is kind of rare or you're going to fall off and my my biggest fear in 08 was oh man well what happens if they go back to the world series and they lose and then 2009 hit, and I said, man, what happens if they don't even make the World Series? Like, what happens if they lose in the NLCS? Then the next year, it's like, well, what happens if they lose in the NLDS? And then the next year, it's, well, what happens if they don't even make the playoffs? And it kept happening, Kyle. And I'm not saying it's going to happen with this Eagles team. But there is a part of me that kind of worries because it seems like so many people, even people who are typically rational, feel like it's a shoe-in for this Eagles team to win the Super Bowl or for them to at least make it back. And I keep sitting here thinking, we don't know when Carson Wentz is back. And if you don't have a full arsenal of skill position players that I think Nick Foles needs in order to be a successful, above-average quarterback, there is a chance that like the first three, four games of the season are a real, are a real issue for this team. And you mix in the fact that I think it's the, what is it, the first seven weeks, there are two Thursday games plus the London game. That's a mess. Like that in of itself, you're looking at a few short weeks. And obviously that means that the flip side of it, there are going to be, you know, some longer weeks for prep. I don't like Thursday night games. I don't think that teams play well at all on Thursday nights. If you think about in the, the last like five or six years, anytime you turn on a Thursday night game, there there might be a handful of games that you thought have been at least moderately interesting. Uh 
Thursday night games scare me, and the London game scares me, and that all takes into account that, like, we still don't know if and when Carson Wentz is back, even before that London game. These are all things that, like, I, I don't really know how you manage to get home field advantage in this conference if Nick Foles is your quarterback for six, seven, eight weeks. I don't know if it's possible. I'm not sure that that means that he's going to be the quarterback all those weeks, but if he is, this team ain't getting home field. If this team doesn't get home field, like, are they talented enough with Carson Wentz at quarterback to uh, to go on the road and win some playoff series? Absolutely. They they most certainly can. But the easiest path is to get home field. I need somebody to construct for me a path with Nick Foles' quarterback for like the first three or four weeks where you manage to get home field. I need somebody to give it to me and let me know so that I can find a little bit of positivity. I wouldn't be surprised if the team ends up 10-6. and six. If you got to go on the road for like the NFC Championship, you'll be fine. Carson Wentz is incredible, and I'm not as as worried, but home field is a big game changer, and we saw it the entirety of of the postseason, so until somebody can, you know, tell me a a good reason to think that this team is going to end up 3-0 or 4-0 or even 3-1 to start the season, then by all means, please do so. I I just don't see it right now. I think there's too many question marks uh, to think that this team comes out, you know, even 3-1 after four games, but that's just me. I'm not trying to be negative. I know I'm being negative. I don't want to be, but this is how I feel. I can't help it. All right. Uh, you're. Man. This is what I did last year and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Everybody can yeah. deal with it, right? Well, like, yeah. I, can't, I can't take the negativity right now. Um, why? You what? got anything like, else? Where, where I, am I, just, I, I can't. Just tell me, though. Like, where am I wrong in this? If Nick Foles starts four weeks and you don't have Alshon Jeffrey back for, what is it, the first three, first four weeks? That's a big weapon to be missing. They're going to go three and one. They'll probably lose tomorrow night and win at least three in a row. Let's give our season. You think they're going to win three in a row at Tampa, home against yes. the Colts, with it and Andrew Luck, who's coming off of yet another injury, and at Tennessee? Yes. I don't see it. I, I think they'll win three the first four games. I'm not totally convinced they're going to lose. I could see night. two and two. If Nick Foles starts, two and two's attainable. Such dumb. This is such a dumb WIP conference. I see two why? and two. Because no one because here's why. No one on earth would have had the balls to say thirteen and three last year plus three straight, sixteen and three after all the games, because it sounds ridiculous. Until you realize it is very possible to win four games in a row in the NFL. And I don't think anybody would be shocked if they started four and oh or three and one. But like two and two oh no way they could do four and oh. It's just not possible. Oh yeah? They could they go sixteen and three last year? Like could they go sixteen? It's such a dumb conversation. Three and one or four and oh is not that difficult. It's not impossible for a team that is projected to be projected to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, especially when you consider that you know the Falcons are good, but I, the Bucks, Colts, and Titans. The Titans are going to have a good team this year. None of these. I think the Titans, the Titans, and the Falcons are the two losses. I think you can go on the road and beat the Bucks, and I think you beat the Colts at home. So they're you better than have, the Eagles. Like, is that I, your logic? They're just who? better than the Eagles, the the who? Falcons, and the Titans. No, I think that it's like hard you automatic. To, like this is this is why I hate when people do what? a schedule thing. They no, no, automatically just, take tough games and just call them losses. No, like, because you God and I, forbid you your and team I have already is said, actually it, better. There's a there's a chance that the Falcons like this in this game. The Eagles come out flat. I've been saying I just that's I, why I'm giving them one loss. So that's that to me is a loss, right? Well, you just said that there's a chance to go four and zero, and of course there's there's a chance to go four and zero or three and one or two and two or one and three or zero oh and four. The the Titans game on the road is a little bit scary. Like I I think that that team is going to be a lot better than what they were last year. I think it's going to be a tough game if Nick Foles is your quarterback in that, and you still don't have your skill guys back. I forget when does Nigel Braden come back? See four games out or six games out? Whatever. No, I'm not sure. 
that that makes me a little nervous. I want Carson Wentz back for the Minnesota game. I think if he's there for that game, you're going to need him against the uh, the Giants, who I think are going to still, you know, they're going to end up improved. You got Carolina, Jacksonville in London. You've got the Cowboys after that, the Saints, Giants again, Skins. Like, there's a stretch that you need Carson Wentz back for. If you can go four games with Nick Foles as your quarterback and, and end up two and two, I, I could still construct a way to get to maybe 11 and 11 and five. Like, that's not bad. Not bad, right? No, not bad. Not bad at all. I'm just looking forward to everybody hating me. Yep. Like more than normal. Yes, they should. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap. All right. So score. Score tomorrow? Um, You have 52 to nothing, Eagles. No, come on. Be realistic. Okay. 52 to nothing. I hate you. You can't do that. Why would you do that? Because they won Super Bowl 52. 52 is uh, the number of the Super Bowl. Kyle, it's 10-11. It's, uh, Did you know that if you multiply it 11 by 3, that's the uh, the total? Like, I freaking hate those tweets. I hate those tweets so much. Go on. All right, let's wrap. Okay. Uh, I, Eagles, do they win? Do they lose? Eagles lose 24 to 17. Jake Elliott misses an extra point. They have to convert a two-point conversion. Phil in Slack continues to say that they can't use Jake Elliott on extra points. That's my that's my guess. I hope I'm wrong. Um, so we'll be back, what, Friday? Friday with a recap of the game, where we're going to be a lot more positive after the Eagles absolutely slaughter the Falcons. Uh, until then, make sure that you uh, check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast, which I believe... Uh, they are recording Wednesday night, so that should also drop on Thursday to talk about the Phillies who are in free fall. Although, I don't know if you – did you look at the lineup that uh, Gabe Kapler rolled out tonight? It is a, a total mess. Um, yeah, they're they're in the trying everything stage. This is – it's not good. Uh, so uh, check out Crossed Up. Snow the goalie. Uh, last week we had on Alex Lyon. Anthony did a, uh, a sit-down with him. It was a really interesting interview. We, we uh, kind of – Followed up on that. I think we're working on getting a couple more guests in the next few weeks, which will be uh, exciting, especially as we kind of get ready for Sixers and Flyers season, as well as the Eagles. Uh, go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin. I believe he dropped one over the weekend. And Crossing Broad FC will be back with all of the domestic leagues from abroad. So go check that out as well. Leave five-star reviews. Leave reviews, ratings. Follow all those people on Twitter. Of course, Kyle is at Crossing Broad. I'm at Joy on Broad. Kevin is at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Uh, Bob is at BW Crossing Broad. Anthony is at Ant San Philly. Phil is at Phil Kaidel, K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kaidel. Uh, for Kyle, I'm Russ. Go Eagles. Go Birds. Go. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. That'll be something for Friday. We got to talk more about the media. Until then, go Eagles. <laughs>